you will fail. So what? Everybody does. But your gym, your watch, your yoga pants, they pretend you won't. So when you miss a day, eat the pancakes. Give up on a workout? You failed? Seriously, what the hell? We're body. We've been a part of that too, but not anymore. At body, we're rejecting perfection and embracing reality. Not in a pizza Monday kind of way, in a loving your whole life kind of way. In a, this workout is fun and it's okay if I take a week off kind of way. In an, I'm eating healthy and it's okay if I indulge kind of way. In a, I like myself no matter what kind of way. Yeah, you will fail. We all will. But we're not going to let that be the end. You see that? We're already making progress. So let's keep going. We are body. Start your free trial at body.com. That's B O D I dot com. Real moms of Bravo. Real moms of Bravo. Real moms of Bravo. Real moms of Bravo. We are thrilled to be with the Darby Barbie. Ashley Darby herself. We love her on the show. She's one of our favorite housewives, but I think one of the things I love most is Ashley as a mother. So we're going to spend some time talking to her today about motherhood and don't worry, we'll get some questions about the show too. But Ashley Darby, welcome to Oh, thank you. I'm excited. Thank you so much. (laughs) Yes, 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 yes. We're so excited. So I think hands down, and I'm not just saying this to like kiss your ass or anything. I think you're the realest housewife on Bravo for many reasons. But and when it relates to motherhood, I personally experience um, postpartum anxiety with my first. Um, it's a very debilitating time, um, as you know, with PPD. And I just found it so refreshing how honest you were about motherhood and I thought to myself, if I, if I, I experienced that before for you, before you shared it, but if it were, if I just thought about like how much you probably helped someone, I'm going through that. I also um, just appreciate all your pumping and breastfeeding. It's just, we're all about normalizing that. <laughs> um, I was, you know, my pump was my best friend, but what can you share a little bit more about your postpartum depression? Well, it's interesting that I didn't even know what that looked like. I didn't know that I was going through postpartum depression. And I I think that people give you so much advice about what postpartum will look like or what motherhood will look like. So you're already, at least in my case, I was already peaked as to certain things to look out for. Like, oh, yes, I'm going to be tired. And um, yes, breastfeeding is going to be challenging. So all those things that I've been told by other people. But then when I had feelings that I wasn't anticipating that felt foreign to me, I was actually a bit scared because I was like, no one told me about this. And, you know, my friend so-and-so didn't say it, it just, it came out of left field for me and to not have anyone around me, at least that I knew of at the time who had experienced it. I felt alone and I felt like I never felt like I was going to get over it. I felt like I was in this hole that I was never going to get out of. How many weeks postpartum were you when you realized it was more than, I hate the term baby blues, but the baby blues? Well, you know, I think that when, after I had Dean, I was just in the newborn bubble that I, I thought it was normal to not want to go outside at all. I had no desire to be outside of the house. I got 
I thought all moms got crippling anxiety about going outside with their children. Um, and then when we started filming the show and I started having requirements outside of the house, I realized that I, I it was like, my body was like, hell no. It, I, I was like freezing. I was going into this almost like a catatonic state because I did not want to go outside of my house. And I especially did not want to take my child outside of the house. So I'm thankful actually that I was filming the show because I don't know how long I would have cocooned myself in the house if I didn't have the obligation of Real Housewives. Absolutely. No, it's something, it's such a weird thing. I remember I had already been seen like a therapist and had been working on myself, but I remember talking to Abby and just being like, oh my God, I'm crying every day. Is this, is this normal? You know, I mm-hmm. cried every day for like six weeks before I kind of like reset myself and said, okay, something's not right. Let's kind of reevaluate, talk to somebody, um, get on medication, whatever it may fit for you, you as a person, but for me, that was the right path. So, um, mm-hmm. I just want to, I just commend you for sharing that. So thank you so much. Well, for thank you. That. Um, yeah. what, what advice would you give to someone who's in those shoes right now? If someone's listening or someone, um, is a friend of someone, like what kind of advice would you give? I think you hit the nail on the head that the first step is to talk to someone, anyone, whether it's your spouse, if they're open to communication, maybe your friend, your coworker, anyone who is willing to give an ear to you, just talk to them, uh, especially if you trust them and ask them, you know, like, do, do I sound like myself? Do you think I'm acting like myself? Because a lot of times when you are in a dark place, it's hard for you to be self-aware. And so if you can talk to someone who can point it out to you and help you to get out of that place. It is incredibly important. And I mean, I'm very blessed that I have a support system. And my hope is that women everywhere have a support system in place somehow, some way to feel supported, to feel heard and to feel comfortable sharing because it's just, Oh, it's just, it's a, it's a strange time. Like, you know, not only physically are you going through things, you know, your body, this and that, but also mentally it's like, it is the most transformative time in a woman's life. I think more than puberty, more than menopause, I think it's becoming a mother. Thousand percent, a thousand percent, and one of those layers um, in becoming a mother, and this is something that I grapple with, and I'm interested to hear your take. So, I'm also biracial. I identify as Afro Latina, Black, biracial. If there's a checkbox, I'll probably check all the different boxes. But I'm raising two different girls, um, two little girls, and it's really important for me that my girls know who they are and where they come from, and they be proud of their heritage and everything. Like everything about me, who the part of me that's been now passed on to them. One of my mm-hmm. girls is more white passing. Um, I do mm-hmm. want her to understand who she is and be proud of it, but understand the privileges that come with it. So how do you, I mean, this is a big question and these are the things that keep me up at night, Ashley, but how <laughs> do you feel you're going to approach race and colorism with your children? Ooh, I, I totally understand what you're saying. <laughs> it's like, oh man. Um, I'm in a similar situation because I grew up around all the black side of my family. So I identify as black. If, if there's a box, I check black. 
And so because I've never known any other part of my identity, my racial identity, that is how I've identified myself. So now with my children, with an Australian dad, like not only is he a different race, he's a whole different from a different continent. Um, it's, it's interesting that we both want to make sure that we expose them to both sides of their, of their identity, of their racial composition. Uh, so one of the biggest things for me is, and I've had so many discussions because as our world is evolving, more and more of us are becoming more mixed. Like it's a big melting pot, you know, uh, even if you're the same race, you could be from a different country and still be the same race, you know? Um, so we have been talking a lot about just pointing out differences. Um, and even now with Dean, we have books that have children of all different ethnicities. Like, I don't know if you've seen the Leo books. Uh, it's a little boy named Leo. He goes, he goes swimming. He goes to baby time. So we read books that have children who look different than Dean. Um, I make sure that when we buy toys, if they're figurines, that they are brown skin, they're brown skin figurines, not just one particular color and also Asian. I, I try to make sure that his news, his uh, TV programs. So all those things that he touches every day, his toys, what he sees on TV, that kind of stuff. He sees racial differences. And then also I've learned that it's important to just talk about it and point out that people do have different hair texture. We do have different eye colors. We do have different skin colors. Just talk about it. Don't just expect it to be a given that your child is going to understand that. Even though their minds can see that these things are different, they may not necessarily know what that means or how to compartmentalize it. So having dialogue and talking to our children as much as we possibly can about embracing people's differences and celebrating them and that different isn't bad that is those are going to be integral parts for me when it comes to these little people yeah no it's like such a big responsibility to shape these little humans and make sure they're well-rounded and like appreciate everything so I do very similar things I appreciate you sharing that and your perspective in that um I think that's really good advice is celebrating the differences and just focusing and making sure that the world that they see around them is reflective of that as well. And just celebrating different parts of your cultures too. Um, mm -hmm. I'm going to pivot to your placenta. I have to admit, um, watching you, uh, someone was, I felt like picking <laughs> up your placenta. I had to maybe turn away <laughs> while I was watching that. But would you do that again? And how long did you eat your placenta for? Well, if you think it was bad watching it, you should, the producer who, who had to film it, <laughs> because there was no crew or anything. He was just in here with his iPhone. And, you know, they come into your house because they want it to be like your germs, your, what does she call it? Um, not genomes, but something like that. Like she wants it to be your particular uh, germs, right? So yeah, she's in my kitchen sink. She's got her dehydrator and everything. She's doing her whole shebang. And the, that poor producer, he said he gagged like 5,000 times. So he has a weak stomach anyway. So <laughs> like you can't even talk about poop with him. Like he is just like, ooh. So you can only imagine watching someone's internal organ be, be cooked up and all that it was very hard for him. Um, as for the consumption of it, I would do it again in a heartbeat. I wish I had learned about it with, with Dean. Um, I know that there are different ways to eat it. Some people actually just eat it. I think it was easier for me to have it dehydrated and put into pills because there was no aftertaste, um, nothing like that. I do think I had better success with my breastfeeding. But that could also be because it's my second time around. I don't know. You know, there are a lot of things like it could also just be because this is my second child and I know more what to expect. But I did have more energy. I was able to make more milk. Uh, I feel like I rebounded a little bit quicker mentally. 
So I, my, the lady who, the doula who I worked with, she wants to say it's my placenta and I'm just going to give it to her. I'm going to say, okay. Let's give it to her. It's the placenta. (laughs) Yeah. Eat that placenta. Okay. (laughs) All right. Well, we're going to go from placentas to Nicki Minaj. I mean, what, what a season, first of all, and then what a reunion. I mean, how shocked were you when she walked out? You looked very surprised. I really can't put into words for you guys just how shocked we all were. And, you know, there had been a lot of lead up to it. We had all been, they've been talking, like, I did watch It Happens Live, like, maybe two weeks before the reunion. I think it was two weeks. And Andy comes in, he's like, Ashley, gosh, I'm so sorry to tell you this, but Nikki's not going to be there. I was like, oh, man. He's like, yeah, it's just not working out. Her schedule, it just is, okay, you know, understandable, fine. So when it actually came time for the reunion, we filmed the entire day from, like, 10 in the morning. Then we had a little break. They said that something was wrong with the cameras. So we had lunch, which is like an hour. Then we went back to film. And usually from lunch until like 8 p.m., we just finish, right? But at like 6.30 or 7, they were like, yeah, there's a glitch with the cameras. We're going to have to clear set. Everyone, like, you need to go out. We're like, oh, okay. And we were off set for like an hour. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is so weird. What's wrong with these cameras? Like, get it together. Film it on your iPhone. I don't care. Like, let's make it happen. And then, yeah, we sit down and everyone's like in place. And we all think this is like the final stretch. You know, my hair is puffing up. My skin's a little shiny. Even though my makeup artist had like powdered the mess out of my face, I was still shiny. You know, that sebum wanted to come out no matter what. And so I'm like, okay, like, ah. Uh, all right, guys, let's just get this show on the road. My deodorant was failing. My breath was hot. I swear to God, like it, I, it was really the home stretch. And then when she comes in, I'm like, oh, damn. So I immediately text my makeup artist. I'm like, hey, I need deodorant. I need some gum. I need some perfume. Make it happen. So thankfully, when Nikki took a bathroom break, I ran out and I like, you know, refresh myself because the girl was busted and just hot breathed altogether. So yes, it was quite surprising. Uh, it, it was an amazing surprise. And I think we all got a little nervous because we didn't know what to expect. Well, and she didn't, like, I, you know, we've never had a celebrity guest on a reunion, so nobody really knew what to expect. I thought there maybe be a few tough questions, but a lot of just like fun, you know, banter. She went hard on everyone, but particularly on you. Were you surprised yeah. by the questions that she was throwing out there? Well, I'm going to say, yes, I didn't expect it to be to that extent, but on social media, you know, it's always talked about like, oh, Nicki Minaj follows Karen. And I think she follows Wendy. Like she followed all these people. This was before any talk of her coming onto the room, right? So it's like, oh yeah. And she very clearly never wanted to follow me on Instagram at the time. I was like, okay, well, obviously she's not a fan and that's okay. Thanks for watching. I was still thankful, you know, like thanks for watching the show, girl. So I already anticipated that I wasn't high on the totem pole as far as Nikki was concerned. Um, To the extent that she did come at me, it was surprising, mainly because I, and it was more so what she chose to say that surprised me because I think, I thought she would like come at me like, yes, say I'm Giselle's sidekick or whatever, but the whole storyline thing, I was like, I thought that was messed up. I was like, really? (laughs) That was reaching for me. And we as fans, like no one has 
like there's been no one in the chatter saying that Ashley's faking a storyline by having children <laughs> and then coming in. Yeah, that was a little surprising to me. Um, but, you know, I think she she did have a lot of fans give input. And I think she thought that she needed to represent what her fans were asking. And if that was a consensus amongst her fans and that's what she said, you know, I can't knock it. Well, it was incredible. Watch. I also liked that Candace, of all people, kind of came to your defense and said, like, she's got a job to do. Like, she had to show up. It wasn't like she could just take, you know, eight weeks of maternity leave when that's like the whole time you guys are shooting. <laughs> But I did, um, you know, in watching the season, we had some issues with some of the things Candace said about you and really about all the women. And we were happy that a lot of that was addressed on the reunion. But we have a theory. If Candace decides to have children, basically, once she gets home from the hospital, she will probably be texting you the longest apology ever. How would you receive that apology? And I mean, do you think that that would do you think motherhood would change her? 100%. It would definitely be a transformational thing for her, mainly because I went through that myself. You know, I wasn't the most sensitive to Monique after she had had her miscarriage. And after I experienced that myself, I, I felt horrible for how I had addressed her and her situation. And it, it was, it was a moment. I mean, I had a real moment of like, hardcore apology from Monique. I apologize to her face, but also like in my heart, I just was like, I'm so sorry. And I've actually had quite a few people who, um, cause Candace made a comment about Michael was faking his emotions after we lost our first baby. And, or, you know, I, I mean, it was a, I don't say, when I say lost the baby, but you know, I didn't have the baby. Yeah. It's a loss. Okay. Yeah, it's, yeah. Okay. Yeah. I don't want to be insensitive to people who've had more extreme um, losses, but so she she made that comment that he was faking it and I had bloggers who were like you know yes how yes Ashley like oh you know you and Michael need to get together da, da, da. and at least three of them became moms over over the last few years and have apologized to me so much for the things that they said because one of them in particular did experience a miscarriage and her husband was having a more difficult time than she was and she yes like she was like I'm so sorry so there are instances that I have experienced myself that I have seen other people that I, I do have a feeling it will be something that Candace does. Maybe not immediately because she is pretty stubborn, but um, over some time, she will be apologizing. Yeah, yeah I think she'll have um, a laundry list of things to apologize for. <laughs> <laughs> well, so you talked a little bit about the bloggers and comments that they made about how Michael's you know processing the miscarriage. I think in general too, you just have a lot of people with opinions on your marriage and your husband in general. How do you personally handle that criticism and some of the comments out there? You know, it's taken me a while to get to this place, um, but I really, I just don't care. And I know that it's hard to believe that because I started this process being very sensitive and wanting people to like me and to understand me, like, please just understand me, get me, know that I'm different. I don't, I'm not conventional. I wanted all of that. And the more that I tried to put myself in that position of getting people to like me, the more resistance I felt like I was getting. Um, 
from the public and from myself, honestly, like I just, that my expectations were not being met, you know, once I stopped expecting people to just like understand how I live, how I choose to be married to my husband, the decisions we choose to make. Once I stopped expecting people to understand my motherhood journey that I chose to consume my placenta, all of that, once I let that stuff fall by the wayside, there's just this air that I feel like it's, I don't mind talking about my life. I don't mind sharing about it. I'll answer questions, but negativity that tries to permeate into my little bubble now, it just doesn't make it. It dies before it even gets here. So it's been honestly being on this platform has been an incredible blessing to me because I've learned to love myself more than ever. And we know as a mother, you only have time and space. So I'm glad that you don't let that shit hang over you. So I (laughs) don't have time for that. Yes. I mean, gosh, like if, as if, you know, just dealing with life itself wasn't difficult by myself. Now I have these two little humans, you know, and it's like, not only is there the responsibility, but there's just this desire, this overwhelming desire to like be with these kids and to nurture them and like, oh, it's just so emotional. So yes, it's all encompassing. Well, good for you too, for learning how to shut it down. I I'm guessing that's probably the hardest, one of the hardest journeys in becoming a housewife is not letting those comments make their way into your important relationships. Okay. So now we have some light fun questions. So real housewives, ultimate girls trip, everyone's loving it, but we're personally a little upset. The Potomac is not being represented um, on this amazing trip. And we're hoping that that's going to happen soon. Let's just say, hypothetically, you get selected to be on the next Ultimate Girls Trip. Who are you picking from other franchises to go on a trip with you and why? Oh, that's a good one. Hey, oh, okay. Well, definitely Teresa, because I love her. Uh, I think she's amazing. Um, Garcelle, because I... I have loved Garcelle since the Jamie Foxx show and I fangirl. When we did the view, I fangirl so hard over Garcelle. Okay. Um, um, from Atlanta, definitely Portia. She is a fun time. You know how she said that there were the nieces and the aunties yes. that episode. Yes. I, we would definitely be cutting up looking at the aunties, the aunties. <laughs> um, from New York, I would say, Sonia. Boy, do I love me some Sonia. Oh, <laughs> that woman is a riot. We did a show together um, right after I'd had Dean, so a couple years ago, and she told these stories that, like, something about, like, her back door. Some, I mean, it was, like, I... She's, like, no filter. I love that. She'll Whatever she's thinking, it's coming out. She's talking about it. Right! It was amazing! So... <laughs> Yes, I definitely would have Sonia there. Um, and then OC, who am I missing? Uh, I like Gina. I think I would have Gina from OC. She's also very fun. Would you and have I anyone from have, Salt Lake? Oh, from Salt Lake, I would have Whitney. Yeah. You, you just selected a good crew. I, I would watch this. It would basically just be a party. We would just be taking shot, body <laughs> shots and dancing on the table all the time. I mean, it would be quite a fun trip. We don't have to like go to rehab or detox because we drink so much on the trip. <laughs> well, 
you kind of gave us a preview of what, like, not quite a Bravo trip, but you recently were out with our favorite person, Justin Sylvester. We're obsessed with him. You were out with Brad and your castmates. I mean, like, we just wanted to be a fly on the wall and just follow you everywhere you were going and watch that night unfold. I mean, can you tell, get, spill a little tea or tell us a little bit about what we didn't see on Instagram from that night? How many Coronas did you have? <laughs> Actually, that night, so we were at this restaurant that I guess is really big in LA. Um, Martin or something like that? Oh, I can't remember the name Craig's. of it now. Thank you. I knew it was one of the names. <laughs> yes, Craig's. Um, so we were at Craig's, and which funnily we had gone to, we had gone to Craig's after Andy's baby shower uh, a few years ago. So it was Erica and Lisa and Kyle and uh, Giselle, Robin, me, and a few other people. We were all there drinking it up. Craig was there, bought us shots. I mean, it was a crazy time. So the last, and I was pregnant. So I was the only sober one there. I was the sober Sally of the whole group at Craig's. Okay. Um, so that was very interesting. And uh, this time it was a little bit different because I got to imbibe and catch a nice vibe. And the, I, nothing really salacious happened. I will say that Justin, his life, he should be, he should have a reality show about his life. A thousand percent. Like I know. Yeah. Like he talks about, you know, pop culture and all that, but he is the most fascinating and fun person. And the stories that he tells about his dating life and stuff, I was like, bitch, what? Like you just, <laughs> you almost couldn't believe some of the stuff. It was amazing. Oh my God. I bet. Did Brad Goreski talk about Giselle's fashion? I doubt it but I was curious. Well, <laughs> did the fashion police come out? No, he, uh, he actually came late because he was at an event with Lisa Renna, I think. Uh, so he came late. He came like, we were all like three sheets to the wind by the time he got there. Um, and I think we only hung out with him for like maybe an hour. It probably was less than an hour because you know, the clock was striking midnight. I had the view. I had, um, the, uh, the real, I'm sorry. The real, I know y'all this brain. I had the real the following day. So we all called it an early, early night, but, uh, Brad, he, he was very demure, very nice. Didn't really shade anybody. He was maybe he was a little tired from his event. That could have been it, but he was so fun still, but no shade. Oh my God. What a time I was watching. I was like, uh, I felt like my cheeks, like, I felt like your cheeks had to hurt from laughing so much. So that felt like the kind of <laughs> night that you all were having. Yeah, because then Mercedes came, and then we had Rachel there. It was just a party, and I, I was, uh, I loved it. I felt so, so happy to be there. And that was actually a spur of the moment decision because I was gonna. My mom was there in LA with me, and I was gonna lay low with my mom. We were just gonna go out to dinner, call it an early night because I had a five a.m. call time the next day. So I was like, oh, you know, like mom. So I almost didn't go. And my mom was like, Ashley, just, just go out for a little bit. And if you want to come home, you can, you know, she gave me the whole mom thing. Like, just, just put your toe in the water. If you don't want to don't, if you want to jump in fine. And I was like, okay. And sure enough, it was the best decision I made that week. Oh my God. This has been so much fun talking to you, Ashley. This has been such a pleasure. Thank you for taking the time to chat with us. And we can't wait to see what you have in store next season of Potomac. Oh, thank you, ladies. There's definitely a lot going on in this little mill that I have over here. I'm, I'm doing a lot of stirring. I'm doing a lot of churning. So 
We'll see. The queen of pot stirring, Ashley Darby. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I didn't even mean it that way, but I guess that is my title. So, you know, got to own it. <laughs> you will fail. So what? Everybody does. But your gym, your watch, your yoga pants, they pretend you won't. So when you miss a day, eat the pancakes. Give up on a workout? You failed? Seriously, what the hell? We're body. We've been a part of that too, but not anymore. At body, we're rejecting perfection and embracing reality. Not in a pizza Monday kind of way, in a loving your whole life kind of way. In a this workout is fun and it's okay if I take a week off kind of way. In an I'm eating healthy and it's okay if I indulge kind of way. In a I like myself no matter what kind of way. Yeah. You will fail. We all will. But we're not going to let that be the end. You see that? We're already making progress. So let's keep going. We are body. Start your free trial at body.com. That's b o d i.com.